Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. But today, guardrails concerning your friends. All right. Now, again, guardrails, we, we see them every day. You're driving down the road. You don't even notice that they're there, but they're there and they're there for our protection. They're a system that is designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous and off limit areas. Right. That's what they're there for. Now, here's the thing about a guardrail. Right. You might hit it. But the idea is if you hit it and hurt yourself or your car, what was on the other side of that guardrail was a whole lot worse. The cliff, the oncoming traffic, whatever it is. So so when you hit that guardrail, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm I'm sorry I hit this thing, but it saved me from a lots of damage. Now, that's true when it comes to the roads. All right. And again, that guardrail is in a place that's really technically it's safe, right? The real danger is on the other side of that guardrail. If the guardrail wasn't there, you could probably drive right there, right? The danger is on the other side. So what we're looking at is the idea of having guardrails in our life, all right? So it would be a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience to keep us from doing things that we shouldn't be doing, right? Uh, our greatest regrets in life, almost everybody's got something, man, I wish I hadn't done that, right? Now, if you had had a guardrail to keep you from going over that cliff, you would be a bit happier today. You would say, man, I'm so glad that didn't happen. Now, our culture does not help us at all with guardrails. In fact, they kind of laugh at the idea. They bait us to the edge of disaster, all right, and then chastise us when we happen to fall over that cliff, right? And again, we're living, even in the Christian world, we're living in a culture where people are like, how, how, can I do this? Can I do that? How, literally, I hear people say this, how far can I go, right? It's kind of like they want to get to this spot here and, and get as far over as they possibly can when the opposite should be the, the, the truth. You know, God says, be holy as I am holy. It shouldn't be how unholy can I be without falling off a cliff, right? It should be the exact opposite. And almost everyone would agree that there is a place where we would just call too far, Right? Where, where with your money, you, you go too far. You, you go to the casino and you lose all your money and, and you lose your house, you lose your car, you lose everything. Everybody's like, hey man, you went too far. We know with anger, you, you can go too far. With substances, you can go too far. But we don't want to go too far, right? We, we need some guardrails. We want to make better decisions so that we have fewer regrets. And today we're just going to talk about how that relates to your friendships, your amigos, your posse, your group, all right, your gang, all right? And I think we all know this, but, but if we are moving in one direction, right, and the people that we're hanging around with are moving in an opposite direction, right, some place in there, there's going to be some damage, there's going to be some harm. And growing up, we all experienced this, or most all of us, to some degree, all right? Yet when you, when, when you met a new friend, your, your parents, they wanted to know, who is that? Who are their parents? What are they like? What do they do? And when you say, hey, I want to go over to their house and hang out, well, why? Well, because there's no rules and we can do anything. Your parents are like, you ain't going. Right? Because they want to protect you. They understand 
all right, that the people that you're with affect you. Now, that's just not true when you're growing up. That is tr just as true when you're an adult. You know, and some of us, we look back in, in our parents, they, they, they did a lot to protect us. They forbid us to do certain things. Some of you, your, your, your parents may have actually moved to get you out of a certain environment. Or they said to you, you cannot go to their house. You cannot hang out with that people because they realize this truth, friends influence the direction and the quality of your life. Psychologist, Dr. David McCullen of Harvard University, and I quote, the people with him you habitually associate are called your reference group. And these people determine as much as 95% of the success or failure in your life. Now, now that, that's not even from the Bible, but, but I got news for him. He should have just read Proverbs, <laughs> right? Because the Bible's been telling us that for literally for 3,000 years. Continuing, Jim Hohen research asserts that we become the combined average of the five people we hang around the most. Rowan would say that you can tell the quality of our health, our attitude, our income by looking at the people around us. He believes that we start to eat what they eat, talk like they talk, read what they read, think like they think, watch what they watch, and dress like they dress. A num number of years ago, there was a businessman here in, in, in our church. He still attends a church, in fact. And he said to me, hey, hey, uh, let's have, let's have uh, lunch. I want to talk to you. So we set it on the calendar and uh, it came around. And uh, this was quite a few years ago, down on 44th Street, there used to be a, a restaurant called Guthrie's. And this was in the winter and they had a soup bar. So we went there and we were having this soup bar. And, and I said to him, what's been going on with you? He said, well, I just went to a seminar. And I said to him, I said, what was your takeaway? And, and he said, well, th they said that if, if you take and list your five best friends, people you hang around with the most, put their income next to their name, add it up and divide by five, that will be your income. He said, I did it. He said, and it was exactly my income. That's the day I decided I was only going to hang around with rich people. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. All right. <laughs> But, but, but listen, that's what the psychologist from Harvard University said, right? That's what Solomon said 3,000 years ago. He said, you walk with wise people and you will become, you'll become wise, right? He said, the companion of fools will be destroyed. It's good. The people that you and I hang around with, we think they don't affect us. You don't live in a vacuum, right? So Proverbs 12, verse 26, the righteous should choose his friends carefully because the way of the wicked leads them astray. Right? He said, be careful who you choose for your friends. All right? This is because the way of the wicked, that, that will, it will affect you. It will lead you astray. Now, now Jimmy Evans is considered, well, he has the, the, literally the, the, the largest marriage ministry in the world. Right? He, he's done probably 10 or 12 marriage conferences here. And every time I hear him say, make one statement, every time he comes, right? And he says, divorce is a communicable disease, right? And what he means is this, when someone is getting divorced, almost without exception, in their reference group, in that people that are affecting them, that are close to them, there is somebody who's divorced, who's telling them, well, you need to get rid of that jerk. 
You can't let them treat you like that. You can do better than that. Man, if you were with me, we could have so much fun. Right? You, got, you got somebody who's leading you in the wrong direction. Right? What makes friendships great? Because friendships are important. We were not meant to do life alone. But what makes them great is what makes them dangerous. Right? And here's why. When, when we're in our, our reference group, with your posse, your gang, your group, all right, you drop your guard. Right? And here's, what, here's the deal. We are all repelled by rejection, but we're all attracted to acceptance. All right? And what happens when, we, when we're accepted, all right, we open up to influence. All right? Acceptance leads to influence. Rejection you just close down and you don't receive somebody's influence. Don't you think about this? Now, some of you may not be able to relate because you've been holy all your life, all right? But most of you are going to relate to this. All right, I want you to think about this. When you smoked, here's the question. Were you alone when you smoked your first cigarette? When you had your first beer? Were, were you alone the first time that you abused a substance? Almost 100% of you would say, no, I was with somebody, right? And here's what that person was doing. They were influencing you. You, see, you don't live in a vacuum. The people around us affect us, right? Some of you today, you are involved in behavior that at one time you said, I will never do that. I will never do that. But you know what? You got close to some people. They, they accepted you. You opened up to their influence. Right? Most of us, our greatest regrets took place with somebody. Right? Somebody was moving us in that direction. All right? Friends influence the direction and the quality of your life. It's just a principle. It is true. Proverbs 6, 23. For the commandment is a lamp, the law of light. Now it's talking about the Bible, right? Commandment, first five books. Law, the rest of your Bible, all right? The reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep, to keep, you, to keep you from, to keep you from the evil, the evil woman. But how many of you know there's a lot of, evil man out there too, all right? It's not just evil woman. There's just a lot of evil man, all right? So, so here's what it's saying. It's saying the Bible will give you and I wisdom to keep us away from certain people. We won't let them close to us because we realize that they're going to have an effect on our life. Now, the, 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 the lie that you believe is this. Ah, I won't do it. They will not affect me. <laughs> Not me. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Listen to this. Do not be deceived. Now, wherever the Bible says don't be deceived, it's because we are. Okay? It's because we are. This is what it says. Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And we say, oh, I, I can hang around. They, I can go with them and it won't affect me. You are deceived. You are deceived. Over time, it will just chip away 
chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away at your standards, at your morals, at your integrity. It will just chip away, chip away, chip away. All right. So here's another principle. And this is the one you say, but I won't do that. I'm going to, I'm going to give you that. You're wrong because it's going to chip away, but I'm, I'm just going to give it to you. All right. Now, now listen, Proverbs 13, 20, wisest man ever lived besides Jesus, Solomon. Walk with wives, become wise. The companion of fools will suffer harm. So he said, first of all, he's just saying wisdom is contagious, right? If you want to be wise, get around wise people, right? Now, here is what wise people know. This is what you know. This is what I know. We're wise, right? But this is what wise people know. Life is connected. What you do today is going to affect you tomorrow. Solomon, again, that wise guy, right? I mean, like a good wise guy, all right? This is what he said. He said, cast your bread on the water and after many days, it will come back to you again. In other words, you do something today and sometime down the road, it's going to come back. It's going to affect, what you do today affects your tomorrow, all right? But the fool does not believe that. The fool does not recognize that what today I do is going to affect my tomorrows. Right? And if they did, they could care less. They just don't care. Right? So listen, a prudent man sees danger. He takes refuge. The prudent man looks and says, if you do this, you sow this seed, you're going to reap this harvest. I'm not going there. Right? But the simple keeps going. I don't care. And they suffer for it. But now back to Proverbs 13, 20. The wise, walk with wise, you'll become wise. The companion of fools. You don't need to be a fool. You just need to be with a fool. Okay. The companion of a fool will suffer harm. So here's what this means. This means you can say, I won't do what they're doing. That's okay. You just hang around, right? And the shrapnel from their life is going to hit you. The stuff that goes on, all right? Uh, uh, there was a young man that came up to me after the first service and he says, well, you know, he says, I'm hanging with these guys, but I'm not doing what they're doing. He says, and he, he, he says, you know, is, is, isn't that all right? And I, I said to him, here's what's going to happen. I said, your reputation is going to be affected just by hanging around with them. And sooner or later, the day's going to come when there's going to be a bust. And yet you're not smoking weed with them and you're not snorting with them, but you're there and you get arrested along with the rest of them. And you've got a record that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. And how many of you know this can play out in a thousand different ways? The Bible says, you just, you don't need to do what the fool does. You just need to be the companion of the fool, right? And what's going to happen is eventually you will suffer harm. You will suffer harm because you're just with them. Their life drama is going to impact you. It's going to hit you, right? So the fool knows the difference between right and wrong. The fool just keeps going. The fool doesn't care, right? In fact, the Bible says this, listen, it says, you try to correct a fool and they said, they will hate you. You try to, they, they don't want to change. 
right? But life is connected, all right? You cast your bread on the waters, and after many days, it's going to come back to you again. And listen, if your friends, they're not concerned about themselves, they're not going to be concerned about you. If they don't care about their marriage or their family or their finances or their reputation, they surely are not going to care about yours. All right. Now, here's what everybody needs. Everybody needs at least four crazy faith friends. All right. Jesus, listen, Jesus is in a house and he's preaching and the Bible says the place is full. And there's a guy, this guy is, he is a paralytic. He's on a gurney, right? And his friends come, they're bringing, they're carrying this guy and they can't get in. So the Bible says they climb on the roof. They make a hole in the roof, take their friend on the gurney on the roof, take some ropes and let him down in front of Jesus. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith. Right? Now, their faith. Whose faith? Well, I'm telling you, the four guys had faith. They brought their friend. They couldn't get in. They didn't give up. They said, let's get on the roof, tear the roof up, and put him in front of you. They believed something was going to happen. Now, the guy on the gurney, he had faith. You say, how do you know that? Because I don't know anybody who's hospitalized that's willing to let you carry them on the roof. They're going like, look, I'm bad enough already. Don't you even think, I'll fall. Right? But you know what? They had faith. They, they were, there, there's five people hanging around with faith. Right? They're encouraging each other. Right? That's what you and I need. We need people around us that are going to encourage us. It's one of the reasons I love our small group. I mean, we get together, all of us, we, we, we're all pursuing God, encouraging each other. We're all pursuing a great marriage, encouraging each other. We're all wanting to affect our children, our grandchildren. We're encouraging each other. Right? You, you, you weren't built for relationships. Right? None of us were made to be alone. All right, so let me just quickly give you like a few guardrails, all right? Some things I want you to just think about to keep you in this area of friendships, your, your gang, your posse, to keep you from going over the cliff, all right? Number one, if your core group is moving in the direction you do not want your life to be moving, so if, if, that, if that reference group, if the people you're the closest to are going in the wrong direction, you're wanting your life to go in this direction, in your core group, they're moving in a different direction, there should be an alarm, right? And remember what the Bible says, you may say, well, I'm not going to do that, you'll still suffer harm. You'll still suffer harm, right? So if your core group is moving in a different direction, get a new core group. Number two, if you are pretending to be someone other than who you are when you're with them, every alarm should be going off, right? When you need to pretend, you're trying to fit in, all right? Your, your heart is saying, don't go there. But you know what? You got these people and they're influencing you and you want to fit in. Now, the Bible says it's that wise guy again, Solomon. He said, the wise man's heart is in his right hand and the fool's heart is in his left hand. 
This is what this means. That means that the wise person, when their heart is telling them, don't do it, the wise person is listening to their heart. The fool has their heart over here and their heart's telling them, don't go in that direction. Look, it's going to produce something bad and they don't pay attention. It's in their left hand. They're not paying any attention. So if if you, you need to pretend to be somebody you're not to try to fit in with those people, that ought to be a huge alarm saying, man, I am hitting the guardrail. I need to do something different. All right. So you need to try to be somebody different when you're with them or after you're with them. The people close to you say this, you know, when you get back from being with them, it's like you're another person. You're somebody else when you get back. Right? Now, if, if, if Jeannie says something to me, for example, and, and I've, I've, I've mentioned this before, but one of the laws of marriage, and not all of you are married, but many of you are, right? and this would be with your spouse or a person who's close to you, right? but one of the laws of marriage is when you become married, everything is co-owned and co-administered. So it's not my money, it's our money. It's not my time, it's our time. All right. It, it, it's, it's not my friends, it's our friends. So if, if Jeannie says to me, you know, you hang out with him and when you come back, you're just different. I don't feel good about that. You know what? The end of that relationship right there. Right. If after you've been around, you're a different person. Now, most of us can, can relate to this because of the society we live in. You know, there's so many blended families. Right? And this is what I, we hear again and again. A spouse will come and say, look, you know, my kids, they go with my ex. My ex is not a Christian. And when my kids come back, it's like they're a totally different bunch of kids. They're, they're totally, totally different. Because at my exes, all right, they get to do this. There's no, there's, there's no, there's no off limits. There's no morals. There's this going on. They're smoking dope. They're doing this or doing that. And my kids come back and they are totally different. Why? Because they were affected by the environment, by the people that they were around. And it doesn't just happen to kids. It happens to everybody. All right. Next, the alarm should be going off. You're hitting a guardrail when you feel pressure to compromise. All right. When you consider doing a behavior that you have always considered to be off limits, right? You're hitting it. You are hitting the guardrail. Now, here's what, here's what people think. Yeah, but I'm trying to help them. I'm, I'm trying to be their friend. I'm trying to help them. Listen, compassion never requires compromise. Your compassion to help them should never require you to compromise your values and your morals and your Christian stand, right? So when you f- begin to consider because of the pressure to do something you've always considered to be off limits, man, the alarm should be going off, right? And th- this one, we kind of talked about it already, but if you're saying, I will go, but I will not participate. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 if you're going, I'm gonna go, but I'm not gonna do what they're doing. Listen, you, are, you, you have hit the guardrail. All right. And there's a cliff right on the other side of this thing. And you don't even know it. You are blind. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. All right. It's the danger zone. 
Now, you, you don't even need to do what they do, but you're going to be affected, all right? And then, if you hope the people you care about the most don't find out where you've been or who you've been with. If you're like, man, I hope they don't know. You got secrets. Don't want them to find out. That, yeah, again, you, you have just hit the guardrail, right? You, you, you need to establish that guardrail and stay away from that guardrail. And you say, well, why is that bad? Well, the Bible says to even abstain from the appearance of evil, all right? When, so what, relation, what, what guardrails do you have in your relationships? You know, is that person, are they helping me in my spiritual walk or are they hindering me? Are that, is that person motivating me to grow or are they keeping me from growing? All right. Do they motivate me to seek God? Do they motivate me to give, to learn, to serve? If you're a student, do they motivate me to honor my parents, to respect others? No. Do they motivate us to be thankful, to work hard? What, what's going on? What is happening? Now, I, I remember when I, I, I first got saved. Right? Uh, it was a Sunday night, little church. I mean, we had 35 people. Right? And afterwards, somebody came up with me and, and we talked for a while. And they, they, finally, they got around to the Romans road. Right? And, and I prayed to receive the Lord. And after I, I prayed to receive the Lord, this, this guy and his friend come over. And they said to me that they knew my friend, right? my, 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 my closest friend. All right? and, and my closest friend and I, we did things on a regular basis you would not want to tell your mama. Right, And so they said to me, they, they said, I was attending Calvin College at the time. And they said to me, now to, to, they said, now tomorrow when you go back to college and you see, and they said his name, they said, we want, first thing you do is you walk up to him and you tell him that to, you prayed, you gave your life to the Lord and you're going to live for God from now on. So Monday morning, I get down to Calvin College, go to the after my first class, I went to the library. We always hung out on the third floor. We had a little private little corner, you know. And I, I walked in there and my, 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 my friend was sitting there studying a book. And, and I said, hey, I want to tell you something. And he looks up from his book and he said, uh, I said, last night I went to church. I prayed. I gave my life to the Lord. I said, I'm a Christian and I am going to live for God. And he just looked at me and closed his book and went, oh, my God. But listen. We never hung out one time after that, not one time. I actually lost every single friend that I had. Not some of them, I lost them all. Now listen to this. Speaker Joe Larson once said, my friends didn't believe I could become a successful speaker, so I did something about it. I went out and I found me some new friends. <laughs> Sometimes that is what it takes, all right? You got people moving in a different direction, all right? Now, yeah, uh, I was 20 years old. I had just, I mean, just, I don't know, five, six months before, I had just bought, listen, I had just bought a brand new Plymouth Roadrunner, all right? And all of the Christian guys, they all had motorcycles and they're always hanging. So I sold my car and bought a motorcycle. You say, why'd you do that? Because I was going to do whatever it took to get around people that would encourage me to live for God. Because I knew I could not hang out with the people I used to hang out with, all right? And sitting home alone is no fun, <laughs> all right? 
In fact, when I met Jeannie, I didn't have a car. All I had was a motorcycle. In fact, the whole time we dated, all we had was a motorcycle, which wasn't that long, but I still have scars. I mean, she took them little fingernails and went, you know, but yeah, but you do, you do whatever you have to do. All right. You don't live in a, in a vacuum. The people that are closest to you, they are going to determine the direction of your life. Right? You, you, you cannot have friends that are moving in a different direction that are a part of your reference group. Right? You, need people, you need at least four crazy faith friends that are going to encourage you to go all out for God. Everybody needs them. All right. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? You know, our, our culture literally tells us that good people go to heaven. Just be good. But the Bible tells us that forgiven people go to heaven. That everyone is welcome. That everyone gets in the same way. That everybody can meet the requirements. And Jesus said it this way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one. No one can come to the Father except through me. That all of my efforts to get right with God will never make me right with God. That all of your efforts to get right with God will never make you right with God. Jesus said, he is the only way. Speaking to a very religious person, he said, you must be born again. He said, being religious is not enough. He said, you need to be born again. That means you need to give me all of your heart all of your life. See, salvation is not about your head. Salvation is about your heart. And if you have not given Jesus all your heart and all your life, you still have it. He's not a thief to steal it, a manipulator to trick you. You need to consciously make the decision to give Jesus all of your heart and all of your life. You say, well, I know about God. We all celebrate Christmas. We all know about Easter. <coughs> but salvation is not about your head. It's not about what you know. Salvation is about your heart. Have you given your heart and your life to Jesus? And again, if you have not consciously done that, you still have it. And Jesus said, you must be born again. So here's what we're gonna do. If you're away from God today, you're not right with God, you don't know where you stand with God, this is for you. In a moment, I'm gonna to count to three. And when I say three, if you wanna get right with God, I mean, lift your hand. We're gonna pray, and this is what's gonna happen. When you pray, God is gonna meet you right here in this place. And when we say amen, you're gonna be forgiven. You're gonna be right with God. You're gonna be on your way to heaven. As you lift the hand, the first thing that you're saying is you're saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I'm coming to Jesus today to be forgiven and to be saved. One, as you lift your hand, you're saying, God, today I'm giving Jesus all of my heart, all of my life. I'm gonna live for him every day. Two, now get ready. This is for you. Get right with God. As you lift your hand, you're saying today, Jesus is gonna come into my heart by faith. He's gonna blood wash me from my sin. I'm gonna be forgiven. He's gonna make me a new person on the inside. I'm gonna to begin to live that abundant life that he has for me. I'm gonna be a part of your family on my way to heaven. Three, 
Lift it up. Pray with me. Pray with me. I'm not right. Thank you. I see that hand and that hand and that hand. Are there others? Thank you. God bless 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 you. Two hands over here. Thank you. Up in the balcony. God bless you. 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 Others, lift it up. You say, include me, Pastor. I'm not right. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Now, would everyone please stand, but nobody moving. Nobody moving unless it's absolutely necessary. Now, if you lifted your hand, please look right at me. Nobody clap. Would you move to the aisle that's nearest you? Bring your purse, your Bible, whoever you came with. All right. Grab them by the hand and bring them. But make your way right down here. This is what's going to happen. God is going to meet us right here. We're going to pray. And when we say amen, your past is going to be gone. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be on your way to heaven. Now, if you lifted your hand, make your way down from the balcony. Please come down. We will wait for you. Make your way down. This is your day. Here they come. Awesome. 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 Come on down. Jesus said, confess me before men. I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. When we pray, God is going to meet you right here. Your past is going to be gone. You're going to be right with God. This is literally the greatest decision you will ever make in your entire life. Awesome. Awesome. Starting to make it from the balcony. Wonderful. All right, Marcus. Okay, that may be right here, would you? Now, I want you to listen really, really carefully, right? Romans 10, verse 13. The Bible says in Peter that God gives us exceeding great and precious promises. This is one of those promises, all right? This is what it says. It says, whosoever. So that means you, right? It doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter what you've done. This is good for you. And it says, we'll call on the name of the Lord. We are going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And this is the promise at the end. We'll be saved. In one minute, maybe 90 seconds, we're going to say amen. And when we say amen, you're going to be forgiven. Your past is going to be gone. Wiped clean. All right? The Spirit of God is literally going to make you new on the inside. Right? And you're going to be on your way to heaven. They're still coming from the balcony. Help them get down here, would you? Thank you guys for making it. Awesome. Awesome. Now. Want everybody take one hand, put it over your heart. And make these words your own. Right? When we, you just say this out loud, but say this from your heart. Wow. Awesome. You're still coming. Still coming. Wow. All right. All right. Take that other hand, lift it towards heaven where our help comes from. And just say this out loud. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. I give Jesus all of my heart 
in all of my life. I'm gonna live for him every day. And I thank you, you, you hear my prayer. That your blood washed me from my sin. That my past is gone. I'm forgiven. You make me new on the inside. I am a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.